build compelling real-time apps quickly and scale them globally with the PubNub real-time network. Only PubNub delivers the core building blocks needed for any real-time application. Find out for yourself by signing up for free today. Visit PubNub.com. Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing, the most trusted podcast dedicated to the new business of location. It is time for This Week in Location-Based Marketing. Today is October 27th, 2013. That is a Sunday night. It is so damn late and we are recording episode number 153 tonight. My name, Rob Woodbridge from Untether.tv, located in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, and literally off the plane and in Toronto. Asif Khan from the uh, Location-Based Marketing Association. And yes, I am the reason that we are late and so late tonight. Just got off a plane, about to get on another one in, well, I don't know, six hours, seven hours, something like that. Uh, but yeah. I have no idea how you do it. That never stops us from getting this done, does it, Rob? No, you know, I thought this, you know, th our streak would have been in jeopardy, but no, 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 no. We are willing to do it. We are willing to do this very, very, very late. But you literally just got off the plane from Cancun. How was that, man? It was kind of awesome, actually. It was, it was, uh, I was awesome. out there. I mean, the weather wasn't great. I mean, it's hurricane season, so you got the hurricane hitting the uh, the west coast of Mexico, which you know means that there's a lot of rain coming on the east coast where Cancun is. Um, but I mean, it's still Cancun, and uh, you know, had a good time. Uh, was down there to speak at a Krispy uh, Kreme Global Franchise Conference as a guest and that was fun uh, to connect with those guys and then uh, had a few days to uh, hang out and uh, tour around nonetheless despite the weather got over to Chichen Itza hadn't been there before amazing amazing stuff just to all that history and that pyramid and all that so awesome well very very cool was were there lots of donuts around there like do they there serve were like, lots of donuts do they serve hotel donuts and they and all of them are like those are terrible. Dude. No. Yeah, yeah, no. and there's so many new products coming out from right. from those guys. Like, uh, and and they test stuff in different markets. I mean, it was their global conference, so they had people in from Russia and Singapore and Korea and you know Puerto Rico and everywhere. I mean, it was crazy. So, is there, there's no Krispy Kreme in Canada anymore, is there? There is. There is. There's, okay. still, there's still a couple in Toronto. Okay. Um, the original one that opened up in the in Mississauga near the airport, and then uh, I think there's a couple downtown somewhere, like small ones, but yeah. Well, those guys are innovative. You talk about Pavlov. They have this great little application that when uh, it will notify you when, when the donuts are fresh out of the oven. Right? Exactly. We've, we've talked about that a couple of times. And uh, it sends this little vibration or sends you a notification when, they're, when you're nearby a Krispy Kreme that is actually pushing out a donut that, right from the oven. So it's like Pavlov and the bell. Um, I'm, but uh, you know what? We don't have them in Ottawa anymore. And, and uh, they seem to have disappeared from the face of the earth in Canada. Um, so it, it does, it's not relevant to us anymore. But very cool. Cancun. They brought a yeah. Canadian guy to can down to Cancun. Well, we have we have a jam show. You've got some events. You're heading out tomorrow morning uh, for Ramp, so that by the time you guys are listening to this or watching this, uh, Seif will be in Chicago at Ramp for the next couple of days. Uh, how, how's that? That's shaping up to be one of these great events, isn't it? 
It's going to be a great event. Uh, I mean, it is one of the uh, the pinnacle events of the season uh, for retail uh, and technology and location and all mobile and how all that stuff comes together. So uh, it, it's a bit sad. We've talked about Melissa Morrissey, the, the founder of Ramp, uh, who passed away uh, a couple months ago now. And uh, so this this will be the first uh, Ramp without her. Uh, and uh, so it, it'll be interesting. I think, you know, four or 500 retailers are uh, going to be there. Uh, it's going to be awesome. Uh, I'm emceeing it now, so it'll be it'll be an interesting event. Uh, but yeah, lots of um, discussion on mobile payments, uh, I think, uh, and a lot of stuff on indoor location this this time around, in particular. So uh, excited about that! So if you're in Chicago, drop by and uh, and see us at Ramp at the uh, McCormick Place. You know, I just filmed a whole bunch of mobile minutes with Chuck Martin, and uh, we do this. We just batch them all together, and we get you know we get through a, a bunch of them in a very short amount of time. And he talked about one thing that was very interesting. I want to know if you can keep an eye out for this: is that this whole customer uh, service um, expectation when it comes to a mobile, uh, when it comes to the mobile world, because there seems to be uh, you know an incredible demand for customer service on mobile, and none of these retailers, according to this research that we're going to you know in a future episode of Mobile Minute. Um, None of these retailers are really attacking this whole customer service thing very well with the mobile uh, in the mobile world. That's like mobile website, click to call, all these kind of things. They're just failing everywhere, and customers are not satisfied. So I won't, if you can keep that trend, this is what we're hearing yep. from research. I wonder what it's like in the real world when you uh, and you know you being at Ramp. It's a good good place to see that. Ask those questions, would you? I will. Very cool. What else yeah. are you doing next week? You got you got something else? Yeah, I got a little. Uh, I just got invited to come up to Edmonton, uh, Alberta, Canada. Uh, for those of you who aren't uh, Canadian, don't know it, uh, the Advertising Club of Edmonton's having a, uh, a a meetup of of their their group, and I'm going out to uh, to do a, a talk to them on location based marketing. So that'll be interesting. So if you're in Edmonton, I don't get to Edmonton very often, but if you watch this and you're in Edmonton, come on out. It's uh, Thursday the seventh, I think. Is that right? Yeah, November seventh. Yes, Thursday the seventh uh, in the evening, um, and uh, yeah, Advertising Club of Edmonton. Check it out. November seventh. I love it. So yeah. Cancun to Chicago to Edmonton. That's like exactly. A, that's, and in the middle, actually, before I get to Edmonton, I got to go to uh, uh, Saint Petersburg oh, for a couple that, of days too. That's too bad. I do that so. Yeah. All right. Well, what do you say? We got we got a really busy show. We got our, our typical six stories. Uh, some amazing stories here, though. The fascinating stories uh, that we're going to get into, including something called the uh, Copenhagen Wheel, uh, which yep. is which is really 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 cool. I get to introduce that story. Um, we've got our uh, resource of the week. And obviously, we've got our guest of the week. What I'm really excited. His name is Sonny Vu. He is the CEO of a company called Misfit Wearables. They are the creators of the Shine. This little device right here. Love it. Um, and he's just going to talk about a little bit about what differentiates uh, his company from all the rest of these companies that are out there doing uh, wearables in the fitness space. I This episode is amazing. I love this guy. I love this company. It's an upstart company. Um, and these guys, uh, just the craftsmanship that went into the device, uh, the episode will be up uh, in a couple of weeks. But you should listen to this and be fascinated by it because these guys have shipped product uh, all over the place and they're in the Apple store. Like how often does a company that's nine months old have a product sitting on the shelf inside of the Apple store and they just inked a huge deal with Best Buy as well? Nine month old company. Well, nine months since the product shipped. So that's amazing. So he in the episode, he goes into that. But this is just a clip of that episode. So a little teaser. You got to watch this show. 
Um, and then, of course, uh, we've got our Mobile Minute, and that's where we're going to start right now with Chuck Martin. And this is so important right now because this is why you must nail relevance when it comes to retail and mobile and location and context. Here is Chuck Martin with our Mobile Minute. It's time for another mobile minute. It used to be location, 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 and it's now relevance, 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 Chuck. <laughs> I sure hope so. Uh, a new study by by a company called Local uh, for Local by the the e-tailing group found that that the majority fit like almost sixty percent of shoppers will purchase online, go to the stores to uh, to skip shipping charges. So we know people will go to a store. They they are in fact going to a store, and during the entire mobile shopping life cycle there's an opportunity to reach those people and here's the issue of relevance you can send a targeted message to somebody that that really matters on a product they're interested in but if they're on a highway zipping by at 60 70 miles an hour that relevant that item is not relevant to them even though the item itself is it's not the moment of relevance uh, if they're walking into the store and you send that same message that is a much higher degree of relevance. So it's really about looking at the, the context of, of what's happening. What's what's the weather? What's the time? What's the what's the offer? What's the deal? And that's where the relevance comes in in terms of relevance of everything, not just relevance of what the product is. Any idea what kind of when you take relevance and context and put it together, that's a pretty powerful combination. Are we talking about huge increases in conversions? That's the goal. It has to be. Well, it, it, it will be for sure. You're talking about getting the, the right deal to the right mobile shopper at the right time. And, and that's that's kind of the holy grail of where all this stuff is going. It, it's all location-based. And it's not just that the product is a location. It's the person who's there and what's their mindset and that they did want that product. So that's where the deal comes in. And that is Chuck Martin and the Mobile Minute. Why you must nail relevance. Why it's so important. Context, location, all that kind of stuff, man. Like, if you're not doing it, consider it. And uh, certainly if you are listening and you are in the retail space, uh, that was probably more so directed at you guys. And we thank Chuck for being a part of this show. And of course, doing that with me all the time, you can subscribe on untether.tv or you can just watch all the videos. We're up to like 190, maybe 195. It's crazy. It's crazy. All right, what do you say we jump into these stories? Let's see if you take this first one. Canadian company being acquired by somebody that isn't Canadian. Yes. Um, yeah, so DMTI Spatial, a good Canadian company. We've talked about these guys a ton. Uh, John Fisher, their CEO, has been on the show. Uh, we'll get him on the show soon to talk about this uh, particular deal. But they've been acquired by Neopost, which is a huge uh geospatial uh, data company uh, out there uh, based in Paris, France. And uh, yeah, this is just, this is big for, because DMTI, you know, is, uh, you know, well known in the Canadian market, you know, as far as the location intelligence space and, you know, targeted, uh, you, know, you know, data and geofencing and, and all that data. kind of stuff. It's clean data. Clean right? data. Yeah. Clean data. Uh, you know, they're, um, you know, this gives DMTI a chance to kind of take, take their expertise and their wares and, and, and now apply them on an international level, which is what Neopost, uh, you know, affords them the ability to do. And I think it also strengthens Neopost's, you know, ability on the accuracy of uh, data accuracy side. So yeah, I think this seems like a good deal all around. Um, you know, congrats to uh, John and the rest of the team over there. But, uh, you know, this, this is exciting. And, and I know 
from talking to John, you know, a couple months ago before I knew that this deal was going to happen, we we were talking about LBMA because they're they're a big part of the LBMA. John's on our board, and and, uh, and and we were just talking about you know the LBMA's growth, and you know we're opening new chapters all the time, all this kind of stuff. And John's like, well, you know, when are you going to uh, have something over in in Paris? And I'm like, well, it's on the radar for next year, and and he kind of was sort of hinting to me yeah, like, yeah, well, we 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 might have to like you know uh, up up the speed on the uh, the launch of that, and I'm like, okay, and uh, and he says, you know, like you know, we've got some good uh, some good relationships over there. That's how that's that's all he said, and uh, I didn't know this deal was uh, was in the making, but uh, anyways, uh, congrats to uh, to DMTI on this and and Neopost as well. This is awesome. Looking forward to working with. Uh, uh, both teams or or the overall Neopost team going forward. So yeah, it, it's a it's great. I mean, I you know no slight against DMTI, but DMTI, but I'm so tired of Canadian companies, right? Like you 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 reach a certain level and stature and size and capabilities in Canada, and then it's like I gotta grow. We gotta get out of Canada to be able to do that, and it and that's the kind of stuff that drives me crazy. If you're outside of Canada, it's not relevant to you, but that's the way that I feel. And and these guys Neopost, they actually do like deliveries. Like this is like the second the number two supplier of mail solutions, mm. right? That, I mean, mail, real mail. Yeah. So it's a good marriage, and uh, congratulations to DMTI. But oh, burns my ass when we lose a Canadian company, right? It is, but I mean, it, you know, that said, at least you know DMTI is a company that's been in business for like Long twenty time. years. Yeah. So, like, I mean, it's not like you know this is fly by night startup that uh, you know you know was here for eighteen months and got taken out by you know some big international entity. But yeah, I, I, you know, th that's the hard part of this stuff. But. Uh, yeah, you know it is what it is. Well, that's great. So DMTI acquired by Neopost, a European company located in Paris. That's Paris, France. Congratulations, guys! All right, our second story. This is one of the coolest things ever. We've, you know, I always wonder, like, you know, I see these guys driving down the street in these, you know, kind of. I don't even know that it's powered bicycles or with a you know bike with an engine, and these aren't little scooters; they're just you know home yep. homemade things. And here, here's a company called uh, Super Pedestrian, uh, about to commercialize something called the Copenhagen Wheel. Now they've just raised two two point one million dollars to be able to do this. And the Copenhagen Wheel, I'm just going to run this video right now. You'll see it come up. We're going to talk about it on the other side. But this is what the Copenhagen Wheel is, uh, and why it's so important, and why it's relevant to the location-based marketing world and location context world. So here is the Copenhagen Wheel. Welcome to the Copenhagen Wheel, the wheel that turns your ordinary bike into a smart electric hybrid, quickly and easily with no additional batteries or wires. The Copenhagen Wheel allows you to capture the energy dissipated while braking and cycling, and save it for when you need a bit of a boost. Controlled through your smartphone, the Copenhagen Wheel becomes a natural extension of your everyday life. The Copenhagen Wheel is your personal trainer, sensing your effort level and providing you with real-time feedback about your fitness and exercise goals. The Copenhagen Wheel also enhances your experience of the city. It connects you with things a cyclist wants to know. Upcoming traffic congestion, road conditions and pollution levels. Choose to keep your data or share it with your friends and other cyclists through social networks like Facebook. As you ride, you also collect green miles. It's similar to a frequent flyer program, but good for the environment. Elegant, responsive, smart. A new mode of transport for a rapidly changing world. So turn on your life 
and turn on the city, the Copenhagen Wheel. All right, so that's the Copenhagen Wheel. Now, this was designed at MIT uh, at uh, the, uh, what does it say, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology Sensible City Sensible Laboratory. Sensible City Lab, yeah. And, uh, you know, the whole idea here is green, and the whole idea here is to reduce the reliance on automobiles, so you get on these bicycles, and, and basically, it, it powers, it, it knows when you're struggling based on how fast you're going and how much pressure you're putting on the tires, and it, it, this is a, a device that's affixed to the back tire, replaces the back tire, it's like a little engine, and it adjusts the help that it gives you based on whether you need it or not. So it basically it says that if you're going up a hill, it feels like you're not going up a hill, right? So it adjusts the power so that we can jump on a bike. And the very cool thing about this, the thing that I really like about this is two things. One is that it's a bicycle, it's green, it's all those things. It has 15 miles in both directions. You can drive this on one charge. Second thing is you don't have to charge the damn thing. You don't have to plug it in at night because it uses the friction of the braking system to be able to store it in a lithium battery. That is where it generates its power. So when you're putting on the brakes, like we talked about maybe two episodes ago, you put on the brakes and it generates enough power. It stores it in this lithium mm -hmm. battery. I think that is one of the coolest things ever. And uh, so they're going to be actually taking orders right now. They are uh, shipping uh, early next year. And I am amazed by this thing. And I think the relevance is, of course, around the app and uh, around for location is around the app when it takes into yep. consideration uh, traffic, smog alerts. It, ta it tracks your distance run as the as the video showed. So I think this is this is so cool. I would take one. But in Canada, I need one with like a heater and a and a, like a windshield and, <laughs> and like a parka that comes with it because I can't use it in the winter. Yes, um, so I absolutely love this thing as well. And uh, you you know my interest in this is I mean obviously I love that it's green and and all that uh, that you just you just talked about. But I love the app piece of this. And, yes. And the reason I I pulled this story out this week is you know we've been talking on the show a lot about you know the connected car. Uh, you know, in that whole space, and, and you know, we've been talking about wearable devices, and we're going to talk about wearables today with our guest. Uh, but you know, for me, you know, the, you know, when you when you look at this this connected this Copenhagen wheel thing, it, it is like another connected car in yeah. essence. It, it's putting all the sensors into the bike, and having that bike through this app feed that information directly into your phone, you know, across the internet to your computer at home, you know, what whatever, right? I mean, so. All that same stuff that we track, whether it's you know distance and calories burned and you know uh, smog and pollution and all this kind of stuff, it's just, it's data, right? Yep. It's just data. It's amazing data. And now you know we're putting that into a bike, and that's what I love about this because it's you know it, it, it just showing that we can take this technology and we can apply it to a car, we can apply it to a bike, we can apply it to our wrist, we can apply it to you know so many different things and. And so, you know, I applaud these guys for uh, for for putting this together. Yes, this is this is just it's very cool. And as we said, they raised two point one million dollars. Um, and you can go to uh, superpedestrian.com and you'll be able to find out a little bit more information and pre-order this puppy if you'd like. And I think it fits onto any bike, right? You just you know they've got um, yep. just replace the back wheel with this thing. Very 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 cool. I love that you yep. found these stories, yeah. And I think that the relevance of this is going to be incredible as soon as you we, we, we live in this age of context now. And, and certainly these, this app is pretty powerful, as you saw in the video. So awesome. Yeah. Super pedestrian Copenhagen wheel. Nice. Neat. All right. Our next story is about uh, Square, the uh, the payments company that we've talked about numerous times on this show. 
Uh, although this time we're talking about them being threatened with a patent infringement uh, case. So there's a company called Unwired Planet, which uh, has three patents that they're claiming have been infringed by Square, dun, and dun, dun. I guess I guess numerous other mobile payments companies. You know, I was reading through these patents, and I'm not going to bore anybody on the show with uh, with this right now, but. Uh, you know, there, there's three three patents that they uh, that they've they've been granted, and I guess uh, you know they're they're one of these patent trolling type of companies that uh, you know set these things up years ago uh, around mobile payments, and uh, they they go and they try to ne- negotiate licensing deals, and Square chose not to uh, license or do a deal with them, and and so now they're being sued. Um, you know, <laughs> and, and I guess the story here is is that there's you know th- this is an emerging space. You know, this whole mobile payments uh, piece is is still emerging. There's like literally hundreds of companies uh, that are you know putting solutions forward in this space. And if these guys truly have the patents, everybody needs to wake up and pay attention to this stuff because yeah, you're um, all screwed. Yeah, you're all screwed. Well, because one of the patents, like the patents, these are the three patents, you know, um, this is patent number 7,711,100, and it is entitled System and Method for Controlling Financial Transactions over a Wireless Network. Over a Wireless Network. Okay, so System and Method for, for Controlling Financial Transactions over a Wireless Network. That's the first one. The second one is entitled Subscriber Delivered Location-Based Services. Those are both against the Square Wallet. And the third one is entitled Wireless User-Based Notification Systems, and it's against the Square Wallet and the Square Register. So that's the automatic um, you know, on, um, yeah. notification that somebody who is a Square user walks into your place of business. Those are so broad and so big, and it touches on every single one of these little companies. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know, the patent system, we all know it. Like, we can go into a rant about the patent system and about the way that they've been granted and these broad patents that have been granted in, in early days, maybe a couple of years ago, maybe 10 years ago. Um, the, the challenge with, that I have with these is that um, patent trolls are motherfuckers. And I have very little respect Absolutely. for them. They are they they take the innovation piece out of this, and they're going to sue uh, Square. And uh, Square's the big guy, and then they're going to go after all the small guys, and they set this industry back a hundred years. And they're going to walk away with all this money, or they can actually just be somebody, be a, be an organization that has a little bit of leniency to see how this industry shakes out, uh, instead of shaking out the industry. And um, so I have very little respect. We got a couple of these guys in in Ottawa, here in my city, mm-hmm. and and these guys every time they lose patent suits, I cheer because they are motherfuckers. They are they are, they destroy the innovation in this world. And here's a yeah, perfect example. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know. so this this patent, I just pulled up the first one here yeah. just to take a, a closer look. So it was filed in 2006. So it, early on, yeah, sure, yeah. but not yeah, too early. Was, and granted in 2010. Yeah. So it took four years to get this. Oh. Um, but anyways, it's uh, it's interesting. It's, it's disappointing, it's, it, right? It is. It is. But you know, I like if I own the patents, man, I would I would be doing the same way. But you, you know, I, maybe I would, or maybe I I don't know. I don't own these patents, but. Um, but going after Square just sends alarm bells for everybody else, and uh, so we got to watch this very, very, very closely. And you think about what happened with RIM, and I'm saying that RIM back in the day they infringed on a patent. It was hubris where they didn't write the checks, but it cost them seven hundred million dollars at the time. And it was the beginning of the end of that company because legal then took over from that point forward. And and uh, you hate to see that in the in this burgeoning industry. So Square is threatened with a location-based services patent, which is brutal. So on Wire Planet, if you're listening to this, come on. Come on. 
I don't know what else to there say. There you go. I'll, I'll have to. Uh, I'll have to. Uh, you know, pose that question on, on one of my panels this week at Ramp. Yeah. Because I know all the ISIS guys and a bunch of payments guys will be in, uh, there. It'll be. Uh, it'll be interesting. I think they'll probably dismiss it, but I think the best question that you can ask on that panel is, um, "Hey, listen, are patent trolls motherfuckers?" I think that's how you should open it up. There you go. Hey. I think it'll open up for a good conversation, just like it did here. All right, those are the first three stories. What do you think? Are we wrong here? Are you a patent troll? Did I offend you? Well, you can stop listening to the show. You just don't deserve to hear our voices. Thank you very much. Um, we're yeah, gonna take. We don't want your T-shirt. We don't exactly. Uh, speaking <laughs> of T-shirts, gotta say a hey, thank you to Whirly over at Chaotic Moon for sending me some T-shirts. I love these. I love their logos. One of the most innovative guys on the planet. Uh, smart, smart, smart company. Smart dude. Thank you, Whirly. All right, uh, before we get into the final three stories, uh, our guest of the week is Sunny Vu, who's the CEO of Misfit Wearables at MisfitWearables.com. They are the creator of this thing called The Shine. If you haven't seen this, it is a dynamite uh, piece of technology that is actually uh, a health-related piece of technology that counts steps, calories, deep sleep, all those kind of things. And this is why they're in this business. It's a little clip of, a, of an upcoming episode. I will not ruin it for you. You're going to listen to it. Here is Sunny Vu, the CEO of Misfit Wearables, on what makes them so different. about what Misfit is and uh, what The Shine is. And then I promise we won't talk about you ever again. Great. Thanks so much. Uh, thank you for this opportunity. You know, uh, Misfit, we are uh, about making great wearable computing products. And so for the first few products that we're developing, primarily in the sensor space uh, for wellness and fitness applications. So our very first product, actually, product number one is, was supposed to be a different product and it's something that we'll be releasing next year. We've been calling it the Mars Project. But it's not what we're going to call it when we launch it. Uh, it is, uh, it, it, it may seem like alien technology, who knows, but uh, we're really excited about it. But Shine was something that we were just opportunistic about. You know, we just saw how this market was taking off, how people were excited about this space. Fitness tracking, great. So we threw our hat into the ring and our, our approach was a little different, so we wanted to make sure that people were interested in what we were doing. So we did a crowdfunding campaign on Indiegogo, our favorite uh, platform. They, are so, they, they were so good to us. And they really were a key part to making us successful um, with our campaign. Uh, we, we, we launched Shine on it. Just, we just had a, really just a rendering and a, and a, and a model. And uh, we wanted to see if people wanted to buy it before we made it. And so we you know, we had a prototype, and uh, it worked out pretty well. You know, we hit our goals really quickly. A hundred thousand dollars was what we set out to raise. It wasn't so much just because of the money, because we we're actually venture backed. You know, we we raised money actually six months prior to the campaign. Um, but we wanted to see if people actually wanted it, like, and understand why is it that people want these products. And um, anyways, we hit our campaign goals. A hundred thousand dollars within nine and a half hours. It was the fastest Indiegogo campaign in history at the time. And we were blown away because we didn't hire any PR firms. We didn't do, I mean, we we're tiny. We we're a starving startup, right? So, um, and so we thought, okay, this is interesting. I think we should probably make it. It seems like the world is saying they want it. So, okay, let's do it. I think we should probably make it. Uh, how much did you end up uh, raising through? Uh, we, we got $850,000. Over 30 yeah. days? Is that what that was? Uh, it was over, I think it was eight, eight weeks total. So, weeks it was total. just a full campaign where, uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, so it was a lot of fun. We really had fun uh, doing it, and we learned a lot, you know. Um, and uh, did you yeah. did, did you use Indiegogo like because you're funded, right? Um, did you yeah. use Indiegogo as kind of like a was it really about validating the idea? 
It really was. It really was because we had raised seven seven point six million dollars like just like six months before that. So um, we it wasn't just about the cash. We really wanted to see. I mean, we've been in. I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of sort of people out there who've been in situations where they've thought, "Oh, let's make this. I'm sure people will buy it." <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> I've been a part yeah. of a couple of those, <laughs> and it's like, well, it doesn't quite turn out the way we think. Well, let's not. Let's avoid that. Let's go ahead and sell it. Let, let's let's put it out there first to see what people think, and then you know, then let's figure out whether we want to make it or not. So, how did you raise that much money without really? I mean, it sounds like without really having an idea of a product, or you know, was it? Was, well, you put we, that product we, down beforehand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we actually were working on Mars, and yeah. we showed, We were talking about the Mars project. That's what got people excited. Um, and then we've, in a way, it's weird. We've kind of pivoted away from Mars, you know, and. Uh, decided, well, we branched because we decided, you know, well, let's hang on to Mars for a second. I don't know if we'll ever do it, but Shine, let's see if people are interested in that because that, that trend seems really real. So it was kind of weird because we raised money and then like six months later we, we branched from that uh, objective. But our investors seemed really cool about it, very supportive. So we we're like, all right, if you're cool with it, then we're, we want to do it. So let's, let's do it. Those are the best uh, investors ever. Oh, they're amazing. You know, the, the folks at Kostla, the folks at uh, Founders Fund, they've been incredible to us. So uh, so how long did it take you guys uh, to decide on this and go from uh, like so, an idea to a product? So napkin sketch was September. Uh, prototypes and it was more mock-ups in November. Uh, you know, basically a two-month campaign, which we ended uh, middle of January. And by then, we're like, okay, we're definitely doing this. We're definitely, definitely doing this. So we camp out and work until, and we were trying to launch in March, end of March, which was pretty ambitious. Come on. And then, yeah, I know, it's pretty fast, right? And then, well, we were working on it before. We are working on it probably well, since November, right? And then um, uh, we were late, so we tried to ship in June, and then we ended up shipping in July. Yeah. So we were, ended up being about three months late, uh, but it was fine. But so from start to finish, about uh, nine months. Let me ask you this. You know, a lot of people do the uh, uh, crowdfunding um, model and they do what you do, right? Uh, maybe they, they don't have the funding, which is the big thing behind it. But they'll say, like, we're going to raise $100,000 and um, and then they they actually achieve their goal. And it's and mm. it's not investment. It's pre-sales. Right. So you, yeah. you ultimately have to ship the product. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I've talked to a bunch of guys that say, like, you know, we raised 100000 and we went over. We raised like 220000 And how do yeah, we, we not raise... Had we not raised two hundred twenty thousand dollars, we would have gone bankrupt because we couldn't afford to actually ship the product that we promised for raising a hundred thousand dollars. So right, right. when you go th went through this process, um, even with eight hundred thousand dollars, like was that enough to build this, manufacture no. this, ship it? No, it wasn't. It? No, definitely. Even that was not enough. I mean, and the thing is, we've done hardware for a long time. We've been doing it for the last you know twelve years. We've shipped fifteen hardware products. So you uh, knew. Last... You know what? You know what you're doing. Yeah, I, well, I, I think we, we had a good idea, although we'd never made a metal product. I mean, this is made of solid metal. It's carved out of a, a piece of aircraft-grade aluminum. Um, and so that, we didn't know. If it was plastic injection molded like pretty much every other consumer electronic device out there, then that would be a different matter. But this is, this is a CNC, you know, it's, it's carved. Yeah. You know, there's no mold involved here. You don't, we're not pouring liquid metal into a mold and then pressing it and then having a bunch of people put circuit boards in it. That's not what we, if it was that way then life would have been way easier, but it's not. So we 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 struggled. Yeah, it was tough.
Sunny Vu, ladies and gentlemen, the CEO of Misfit Wearables, awesome guy, had a great, great, great conversation with him. The episode will be up in a couple of weeks. Keep checking back to untether.tv. Uh, but, you know, the best way to do it is subscribe to the mailing list. You'll get these episodes as well as all the other Untether stuff and the mobile minutes all in your inbox. You'll never have to remember a date again because I'll take care of that for you. But uh, love it. Lo I love all that wearable stuff. I can't wait to uh, – I haven't tried the Shine yet. i got to get uh, get one of those and, and try it out. But, uh, yeah, Apple I'm really excited. Buddy. Yeah, got it, got it, got to do it. Or apparently, Best Buy soon. Best Buy, they've got two different colors. So they've so. actually got three different colors. Okay. One of them is uh, in uh, in Apple. Two different colors are actually in in Best Buy starting now. So you know, go and support these guys. I, I love the fact that they've All put right. some craftsmanship into these devices. It's not plastic. So uh, very cool. So that was uh, Sunny Vu. You can see the rest of the episode up in a couple of weeks on Untether.tv. All right, back at her. No more swearing. We're not going to be talking about patent trolls anymore. Uh, but we are talking about privacy. I think, Asif, we've had many conversations about privacy. We kind of live in the open, you know. I, I, Robert Scoble lives way in the open. Leo Laporte lives way in the open. And, and I mean, I'm, I don't live completely in the open, but, you know, I, you can find anything you want to know about me right on there on this thing called the Internet. And, uh, you know, I don't shy away from it. But, you know, most people are very concerned about, especially when it comes to transactions, uh, buying patterns, buying habits. They're very concerned about their privacy. So I really like this, the future of privacy forum. And Chuck Schumer, who is the U.S. Senator, New York, uh, New York U.S. Senator, um, they unveiled a new code of conduct so that shoppers will clearly know what they're being tracked um, and why they're being tracked and where they're being tracked through their phones in stores. And it gives them instructions on how to opt out. Now, I think that this is something all we want is that full disclosure. I think that is exactly what this is about. Whether or not retailers will adhere to this or the opt-out will actually come in. We've, you know, uh, spam opt-out has always been a pain in the butt anyways. But I, I think that this is a step in the, in the right direction. And I think that, uh, you know, certainly this is something that government ha has to govern in order to be able to help uh, the average consumer understand what is going on with their data and their information. So I'm, I'm, I'm you know, we just want disclosure. That's all, right? Uh, absolutely. So, and maybe just to give a bit of context around this, uh, around who the future of Privacy Forum is. So, so this is a group uh, that goes back a few months now. So, a whole few months. We talked, eh? Well, maybe like six months. <laughs> so, you, you remember we talked about the uh, the Nordstrom debacle with Euclid Analytics? Yes. And that you know, there was there was a big write up about that, and they got in a lot of trouble for tracking what people are doing in stores. And so, the the byproduct of that was. Um, Euclid and a bunch of, of the indoor location companies came together and and formed this group uh, to kind of, you know, find a way to deal with, you know, and, and be a little bit more transparent around, how, you know, how they were going to go about tracking and letting the consumer know. Yeah. So the the outcome of that is is now this code of conduct that's finally been born. And Chuck Schumer was part of the group that led that. So you've got a bunch of big retailers, including Nordstrom, and you've got you know all all of the, pretty much all the major uh, indoor location companies. So you know Euclid, Mexia, uh, Brick Trends guys. You've got uh, the Wireless, wireless Works, Works team. guys. Yeah. You know all, all those guys. Uh, you know a lot of our members um, that are were involved in crafting this. You know this particular thing. So, you know I think this is great. And, and so basically what they're saying is is that you know if you are a retailer and you agree to this code of conduct, you're going to be posting signs in your stores. That are telling people that they're being tracked, yeah. uh, and they're going to be very obvious and and you know not hidden in some little corner somewhere, 
but you know, very obvious to let people know that this is going on. And then if people don't like it and they want to opt out, they can. They can go to a website and they can opt out there to to not be tracked. Um, and so there's there's a website called uh, www.smartstoreprivacy.com. Smartstoreprivacy.com. Yes, that's where they should go. Well, and remember that uh, the whole um, uh, cookie collection or location Wi-Fi collection, Wi-Fi sniffing in the yep. uh, in in London, right? Um, around those. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, around the recycling recycling uh, bins. Yeah. I mean, we start to see this everywhere, and, and consumers just getting a little bit smarter and, and and needing to understand their rights. And I think that it's but, it, but it's about value and relevance again, right? It like, is. Yeah. You know, as long as you tell people what you're doing, and they they recognize that the value in it, and the and the to them and the relevance, they don't care so much. Yeah. You know, it's right. funny because that's uh, I'm uh, listening to on Audible.com. I'm, I, it just was it became available uh, today. The Age of Context, um, which is uh, Robert Scoble's book and Shea Israel, and, and he talks about that. Is that you know, it, it's not it's one thing to track the data. It's big data is big data, and you bring it in, and it and it's suffocating, and it's heavy. But it, you know, you and I as consumers, not as pundits or followers of this industry, but consumers, we don't care about big data. We care about the small data chunks that enrich our lives. And as long as that happens, and as long as that is obvious, and as long as you know that is happening, and as long as you are accepting, and the value you get is commensurate with the amount of data that you're giving up, I think that everybody has a price. And we've said that forever, mm. but that's what they're talking about, is the fact that it's the micro data, the small data transactions that mean so much. And, uh, but we all have to know that, we're being, that it's being used and used yep. for us and against us, right? Absolutely. So I, I like this, uh, you know. Good. I'm, I'm happy with that. So that's our fourth story, the future of privacy form uh, and the fact that they're doing this. And uh, I didn't know it was an opt-in thing. So I'm hoping that uh, more and more retailers jump in on this. So, Absolutely. Very cool. All right. Our fifth story uh, is, is really two stories in one. Uh, and it's, it's united by the fact that they're both happening in Stockholm, Sweden. And so the first is, uh, you know, speaking of microtransactions, uh, you know, what we're talking about is micropayments, small payments here. Uh, and we've talked about this company, iZettle, uh, a number of times, which is like a square uh, in, in some respects, uh, or, or maybe a, a, a little bit more like a PayPal here, uh, you know, type device. Um, but uh, basically what, what, what this is, is, um, you know, think about... Uh, a scenario where you have homeless people on the on the streets of, uh, of Stockholm uh, selling, you know, the magazines, you know, in exchange for you know a small contribution to help them out, right? And we see these people all over the place, and so now you don't have to worry about finding the pocket change or you know the few dollars in your pocket to help out the homeless person. You can actually pay using ISO. You can swipe your credit card. So there's no excuse anymore. Uh, there's no excuse, and so you're going to see the Salvation Army doing this at Christmas everywhere, you know, while they're collecting the money for their kettles. Uh, but now we got homeless people on the on the streets of Stockholm, basically, you know, processing credit cards using iZettle. I love it. Um, it's, well, this is, it's just awesome, man. It's, it's cool. same. It's like along the lines of that Girl Scouts. Our girl guides. Remember yep. selling the girl guides cookies? And, yep. and, and uh, you know, last year they were accepting Square payments, right? Uh, uh, yes. Credit cards via Square. Absolutely. Same thing, but but they're so they're literally handing a device, yes. to a homeless person who is selling yes. these magazines on the side of the street. Exactly. Uh, that is, I mean, exactly like all of a sudden, you know, mobile is democratizing entrepreneurship. 
There it is. Well, you know, and it's really, especially in markets like Sweden and, and in the UK and some of these other markets where IZL operates, people, uh, you know, just don't carry cash. Yeah. Right? You know, and, and so you want to help this homeless person out. You want to, you know, support the Salvation Army. You want to buy the Girl Guy cookies. You want to do this stuff. You just don't have the, the, the cash in the pocket. So, you know, if I can process my credit card there, well, why not? Do you think, like, uh, you know, I... I... There's got to be a, a a certain level of trust, though. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not. I don't want to paint all homeless people in, yeah. in a corner, but but um, do you feel comfortable? Uh, like I don't. I don't know. I'm Canadian, and and I don't carry cash, and I'm a debit guy, and and uh, you know. But I would I ever hand my credit card over to a homeless guy with? Uh, maybe it's a cultural thing. Maybe it's because we don't see this on the street. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like this thing got a lot of press apparently, and and it's you know the it's not any homeless person. It's the ones that are like out selling these magazines, right? right? This what's called Situation Stockholm, I think, is the name of this. It's a street newspaper, right? Yeah. The, they're yeah. out with something. So it's it's basically only the guys who have, you know, rights to sell these magazines, I guess. It's not just anybody. So um well, anyhow, it's interesting. interesting. So and then the other story out of Stockholm is uh this this experiment experimental project that's going on where you can sign up to this this service and basically if if somebody's having a heart attack and need CPR or something along those lines. They need CPR. Basically, using location-based services, you can you know locate people, you know who can perform CPR near you. Is how this thing works. And, and so they've been running this thing for a little while. So it's it's an SMS-based alerting, location-based alerting system. Um, and they already have 9,500 people signed up to this. So the idea behind this is is look, Rob has a heart attack right now, and you know, it's going to take a few minutes to the, for the ambulance to get to you. So while we're waiting for that, you hit a button on your on your phone, and basically it sends out this SMS alert. It finds people near you, based on your location, who are you know know how to perform uh, CPR, who can get to you before the ambulance gets to you. Like that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, you know. So so much so that I'm I'm gonna actually take I like I like this idea so much I'm actually gonna take this and see if I can make this happen in Toronto. I think it's so important. I think that is that is I mean that's it's a perfect use of uh, of mobile and location and love it. Right? Yeah. Now I mean and this works in Sweden and this will work in Canada yeah. I, I believe. U.S. not gonna happen because <laughs> you know what'll happen is is somebody will get that alert they'll go they'll cr crack somebody's ribs and then there'll be a lawsuit. Or, or, or also be like, um, are you insured? You got some insurance here? You got some insurance? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so this is not a U.S. thing. But in Sweden and in Canada, I think not it would a problem. Because be. we're, so, we're so damn polite, right? That's yeah. the thing. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, it was my fault you broke my ribs. It was my fault. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Those are two. Those are two amazing stories. I love that. It's it shows you the uh, breadth and the diversity of how uh, mobile and location can actually come together for some good, right? And, and yeah, and the data. So ninety five hundred people already signed up for this thing uh, in Stockholm, and they they've with that so far they found that uh, in fifty four percent of the cases they can get there than than the uh, than the ambulance. They get there faster than the ambulance. How many lives do you think they've saved? Do they have any of those stats? No, I haven't seen that. Uh, I think it's it's still early. I don't know. They haven't put any data out on that. But anyways, wow. pretty awesome. That is very cool. So iZettle uh, helping um, the homeless and the disadvantaged sell on the streets. 
not themselves, magazines, be very clear on that. And of course, this uh, SMS, location-based CPR SMS combination um, that is uh, saving lives, we assume. It's got to be saving lives. It's got to be, yeah. Come on. And see awesome. It, yeah, I think that's great. Bring it to, bring it to Toronto. Bring Let's it to Toronto. It. Yeah. And then we'll do it in Ottawa. We'll do it in Ottawa. I don't know if it'll work in Ottawa. There's a lot of animosity in the city. You get the Canada guys Harper, versus Harper's the downtown. He's going to have a heart attack soon. He's going to need help. Who's that? Harper. Harper, yeah. He's, he's going to need some help pretty he's, soon. He's, so. been, he's been chewing on some Krispy Kremes, I tell you, that guy right there. Oh, man. Woof. Oh. Yeah, Pillsbury Doughboy. That's our prime minister, ladies and gentlemen, in case you, yes. you didn't know. He, he looks like a Stepford son is really what he does. Stepford son. He does. I'd say Stepford wives, but he's not pretty enough to be a Stepford wife. Uh, yeah. Wow. Wow. Right. Okay. Good so story. this is why we do we don't do this late at night, right? Um, all right. Our last story now. Derek Holt, who's the managing director of business development at A Bite Light, reached out to me. He's been on our. I mean, Bite Light has been on our show twice, almost one year ago to the day, last October twenty second. Uh, when they announced a, a small round of investment, their seed round, and then again in August uh, when they launched of this year when they launched their uh, Lightfield Communications Reader, well, yep. these guys have just raised three million dollars in a Series A. So if you don't remember what uh, what Bite Light is, it is a uh, technology that turns LED lights into GPS-like indoor positioning systems. We like this because it's leveraging your existing infrastructure and it's a light bulb, you screw it in and it becomes a GPS-like indoor positioning system. And we know what's going on in the indoor world is stunning. So these guys have uh, been on the show, we've mentioned them three times and Derek reached out and let us know uh, this week that they raised their $3 million Series A. And I, uh, this is a cool technology and obviously, um, Motorola is involved in this round, and I think that this is a, a clear sign that this is such a huge battle. Uh, I don't think $3 million is enough, but when you talk about inventing uh, the better light bulb, I think Bite Light's done it. Yeah, you know, I, I'm actually surprised. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm happy that, you know, like to see companies like Motorola stepping up and, and you know, funding things like this. But, you know, I, I, when I saw this, I was like, I was sort of expecting, given all, you know, like, what we know about this company and the fact that it's, you know, based on LED light bulbs. I was sort of expecting like a GE yeah. or a Philips or, you know, somebody that's actually in the light bulb manufacturing business to, to have, a, have a, a place in this deal. Um, because, you know, when you look at that kind of stuff, it's not just about, you know, selling light bulbs. It's like, you know, that horizontal integration play around, you know, what can I do with these bulbs, right? Um, so, so I was like a little bit surprised not to see that, but maybe that'll come in the next round. Who knows? Um, yeah, I mean, this is just good fuel, fuel for the engine here. I mean, these guys are very well positioned. The technology is unique. Uh, you know, I love the payments application in particular around this, the transactional piece, yeah. like as an NFC kind of replacement. Um, you know, where, where everybody right now is focused on Bluetooth low energy, you know, this is a, a good alternative with, uh, you know, a, I would say a lower capital cost uh, piece to it, um, you know, by going with the, sort of leveraging the LED infrastructure that's there. So I think this is really interesting. You know, I think three million bucks is like you. I think it's it's too little. Uh, they probably need more to kind of blow this thing up. But there's only eight people. I mean, Bite Light's eight people. So maybe they don't. You know, I, it's, it's just... Uh... You know, I often talk to entrepreneurs through Untethered.tv, through the things that I do all day and the things that I do all night. And 
and uh, conferences that I go to, whatever it is. Uh, but I often talk to entrepreneurs who are, who are following a path, and that path is, you know, a standard path that everybody else follows, right? So, you know, mm-hmm. we see that all the time. And, and they're the guys who say, hey, we're the Instagram of this or the Facebook of that or the, you know, we're the next Foursquare, whatever it might be. Uh, but every once in a while, we talk about this. We mentioned this in the episode that we we first were introduced to Byte Light a year ago. Is that like this is finally innovation exists, right? The guys that are looking at standard things around us and saying, okay, so how can we get more utility out of the things that are that we're already using, and in an innovative way, and not going like the standard route. And that's why I like these guys. And and I would hope, hope upon hope, that they have a, enough. They can get enough runway to be able to build out this product because then I look at GE and I look at, uh, you know, Phillips or any of these guys, cause they're going to come in and swoop and buy these yep. guys for sure. So, uh, but while they can, I enjoy, enjoy the ride because this is, this is innovation and that's what I like about it. Bite Light. So you go to bitelight.com, B Y T E L I G H T.com. And you'll find out some more information about these guys. And, uh, I just, uh, I like them. I like them. So Derek, if you're listening to this man, thank you for reaching out. This is a perfect example of you out there who's got something to say, an announcement, a product announcement, a funding announcement, or just something to say about this industry. Derek reached out on Friday. Hey, it's Monday. He's on the show. We've mentioned his story. It could be you. And the only reason it isn't you is because you're too damn lazy to reach out to us. And you know how to do it. Rob at Untether.tv or Seif at TheLBMade.com. Reach out. We will talk about your story. If you're embarrassed about your story, don't reach out. If you're proud about your story, come on. Yeah. If you're a patent troll, we don't want you. Fuck you, patent trolls. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Anyways, no, I'm not going to. Anyhow, know. yes. All right. We All we have is the resource. That is it. Six stories down, the resource of the week. This was astounding to me, Asif. Really, this stat staggered. I was staggered by it. Were you? Oh, yeah. Free Wi-Fi. Okay free wi-fi so so i mean it's kind of like you know one of these stories where like the title is like free wi-fi helps in-store sales yes really <laughs> like who would have who would have thunk it i know but anyhow uh it's it's a study from a group called acuity uh, acuity group uh half of all smartphone owners would feel more confident making a major purchase if they had the ability to use free in-store wi-fi to research that purchase why why is that like, like, the reason I'm staggered by it is like, um, <coughs> why? Yeah. Like, does that is that like here? I'll give you some free Wi-Fi. Like, here's your first hit of crack, and then you're gonna buy from me. Yeah, it does. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. I think right? it's a non sequitur. I, mean, I, I don't yeah, believe that there's I mean, any relationship. I, there. There's some other stats in here. So, yeah. so the next one says 30% of these smartphone owners said they would be more likely to browse additional items not on their list. I still don't get that one too much either. But the other one makes sense. Spend more time in the store. 20%. Yes. So that that I understand, right? I mean, if there's free Wi-Fi there, uh, you know, if your intention was to go into the store, get what you need, and kind of get out. But, you know, you walk into the store, you find free Wi-Fi, and, you know, it increases the dwell time because you're looking at other stuff. That makes sense to me, right? That makes sense to me. And so if, if that's the argument they're saying, hey, this helps in-store sales because I'm dwelling longer, I might find additional things that I wasn't planning on buying, you know, because I'm connected to the Wi-Fi, okay, I can buy that argument. But this 50% or more than 50%, uh, you know, would be more confident making a major purchase just because there's free Wi-Fi? No. 
You know, I, I, that, it's a non sequitur. Just because they have free Wi-Fi doesn't mean people are going to open up their wallet. I don't get that. Because I stand out yeah. front. When I travel, I stand out front of the Starbucks and I don't buy a damn thing. I just use it to, get to, <laughs> to check my email with the Wi-Fi in Starbucks. I hear you. I don't even pay for anything. So I think that that's a non sequitur. And, and you know what? If you really want to blow your retail customers away, if you just want to blow them away, do this. Don't make them walk up with their cell phone or their smartphone in their hand and the product in the other hand and make you show them or make them show you the price somewhere else at your competitors is $45 cheaper. Don't make them do that. Do it for them, right? You want to blow yeah. them away? You want to create a, a relationship that will last forever? As they come up with their product, scan the product with your own red laser product and see where it's cheaper and say, hey, you know, Rob, this, this, this product's cheaper, $45 cheaper at Target. We're going to give it to you that for that price. Do that yeah. and, and not make me do that, and you will have a customer for life, man. I'm with you, dude. 50%. Uh, this, I, so I have a hard time believing these statistics. I think dwell time is important, but um, Wi-Fi, like, you know what? I don't remember the last time I checked whether Sears had Wi-Fi, right? It just doesn't do it for me. That's all. I just, I think, be, be customer focused, and, uh, but because we are all consumers. So wouldn't you like that to happen to you? Yeah. Especially yeah. at a liquor store. <laughs> oh. I'll tell you though, buddy. I'm flying back today from Cancun. I've never seen so much duty-free liquor on one flight. No kidding. <laughs> no kidding. Every single person with like had like bags and bags of liquor coming back and I'm like and there, I mean I have to like I mean two uh, of like like there was two major groups on this flight coming back from destination weddings. Right, like, like with all their entourage, like, wow. and I mean, it was just ridiculous. But, anyways, yeah. Booze on planes, not a good combination. Booze on plane. Oh. Yeah. Well, Steve, I am so happy that we could get this done, man, because that is it. I mean, that, that was our resource of the week. We got our six stories. We had a guest in uh, Sunny Boo. We had our mobile minute. No product. It's okay. As Amber Max said, I sent out a note saying, "Hey, does anybody have a good, innovative product in the location-based marketing world that they want to promote with, through our show?" And Amber Max said, "You know what? The one she uses every day, the Yellow Pages." Yeah, yellow pages. We can't publish that. Sorry, Amber, but the yellow pages don't cut it. It is the ultimate location-based marketing application, though. Um, it is. But it just doesn't cut it. So if you have a product or service that you'd like to promote here, you'd like us to put you in there as our app of the week. Reach out. You know how to do it. Rob at Untether.tv or Asif at TheLBMA.com. We will feature those applications. Just didn't have enough time editing reasons. Uh, this has got to be up very quickly, but uh, we'll bring it back next week. Um, which is where we will be for episode, what number is that? Number 154. Man, Almost there. Almost there. Wow. So, Asif, uh, safe travels. Enjoy ramp. Um, I can't wait to hear about it. Always look for that customer service. See if there's a trend in customer service in mobile there, and I'd love to hear your feedback uh, next week when we get together again. Awesome. Cool. Pleasure. See you later, everybody. Bye.